Uh, Alright everybody, welcome to another episode of the Happy Haven Podcast. I am Gnarly Canary, and with me today is... Uh, Terry Mayo, comic book writer. Woohoo! And just for people who may not know your name off, like just off the top of their head, what books are you currently working on? One of them I'm a huge fan of, but I'm going to let you talk about. <laughs> uh, I write The Wicked Righteous for Alterna Comics, and I'm doing um, Disposable Legends for T-Pub Comics, and I'm doing an issue of Poppy and Poe for uh, Ravel Comics. Oh, that's awesome. So Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about all of them. Yeah, so I mean, I, I you know I, I love Alterna. I've had Pete on. Um, I had uh, David Lucarelli on, and I like the Al- Al- Alterna model a lot. I'm reading The Wicked Righteous, and that book is awesome. It Thank really you. is. It's really cool. So, so for people who may not know it off the top of their head, what's the whole concept behind it? Because it's got a cool, it's got a cool plot going on that's not typical. Yeah, it's. Uh, well, I mean, you know, you got the. They say every story's already been kind of told, but uh, it's a post-apocalyptic type story set in San Diego. Um, I guess the catch or the, the the difference would be that majority of the adults are gone, so it's almost, I guess if you wanted to compare it to the rapture, it'd be kind of like that. A lot of the adults are gone, the people that are left are the wicked and, and, uh, and all children, so it's um, they represent the, the righteous in the title, the wicked righteous. Right. So, I mean, how, how many issues are there out now? There's five now. Yeah. Uh, number five came out on Wednesday. Oh, okay. And, uh, yeah, yeah. So, and then uh, six comes out next month. And then that'll be a like a giant size, because there's a lot to answer, I guess, a giant size uh, issue uh, in June. Oh, okay. So, you're doing a giant size for the sixth one. Is, is it going to be a... Yeah. Uh, continuing series, or are you kind of doing it in story arc groups and putting it out that way? Uh, it's not a continuing. We are. I, I do have two more arcs planned for it so far. Um, there's no deadline or no set date on when the second arc is, is going to start, but it's already been written out and just kind of waiting on schedules to match up. Gotcha. And and you, you mentioned a couple other books you were working on. Uh, yeah, I, I, there's one for a, a there's a publisher out of the UK called uh, T Pub, and they they did a lot of um, graphic novels trades uh, in the UK, and now they're trying to make a push to come over to America. So they they're releasing um, a, a six issue run, I think a six issue of a story that Stan Lee helped back in the day create. So there's his something by a guy named Michael Gordon called Transdimensional. And then mine, and uh, so us three are going to be having our own six-issue thing coming out. And Disposable Legends is um, starts in August, okay. And it'll be it's a monthly, and then it'll be a collected trade. But it's it's like a sci-fi um, cloning is legal in the future, and so there's this big mega corporation. And so you could get like Muhammad Ali to fight Bruce Lee. They put it on TV and they kind of fight to the death, that kind of thing. Uh, but the clones kind of revolt. So it's it's been a fun story to write. That's a crazy concept, though, that like they have these death matches because you could just build another one. Yeah. And the other one yeah. dies. So you can just keep this venue going and going and just like that's a cool concept. I like that. And, and, and you said that that's going to be a six issue arc. 
Six issue arc on that one. Yeah, the, uh, I think it's. I think we're twenty four pages per issue. Okay. Um, and then yeah, it'll be every month, and then a collected trade at the end. Uh, and I'm not sure what what's past that on Disposable Legends. It's kind of got an open ended story going on, but uh, but yeah, it's an exciting world to, that we're building. So it's. I think it's it's full of possibilities. I guess it just, however people receive it, <laughs> that'll determine what the future of it is. Oh yeah, I mean the possibilities on that are endless, especially throwing in the cloning angle, you know, and yeah. like you said, having all these death matches and everything else. I mean that kind of that world could almost go in perpetuity. I mean you think about right? all the crazy <laughs> matchups that could go, and then of course you know the whole social upheaval revolt angle and um, right, right. I mean it's. The first arc is, is like, uh, the reviewers that it's been shown to, it's been, I think they compared it to, like, um, Westworld meets uh, Hunger Games, that type of thing. Oh, wow. So I guess kind of wraps it up into how it's looking. That's really cool. And then what, what's the uh, what's the third book? I mean, if, if you're able to, to speak on it. I don't yeah, the, the third book is already um, out. I'm doing the 12th issue in it, uh, I guess the finale. Um, there's going to be 12 issues that started in January, um, and Caesar Crawford, uh, he's, I guess, an artist that worked in Marvel and a couple other places, put together a different writer and cover artist for each issue, and it's called Poppy and Poe, and it's about a goth girl and her demonically possessed monkey. Nice. <laughs> and they're, they're battling uh, evil clowns, so it's a, a little bit different take on stuff but but yeah i get to write the the finale so is that cons- would that be considered like an anthology series because it's been different a different team almost for it's, each issue or each issue has its own kind of feel but there is a it's, it's not an anthology it's 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 a it's a um structured story oh okay um but it's there is a different feel for each writer. You can kind of tell. Yeah, but I mean that's pretty cool. If you have twelve chapters telling the same story, but they all have a different perspective, that makes it definitely much more interesting. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that approach. That's pretty cool. That's I'm telling you, man. I'm loving what the, what what the indie industry has been putting out. Been putting out. I, I you know the podcast. I've had all kinds of different guests on from all different you know walks of entertainment, from voice actors to video game guys to screenwriters and all this and that. But the right. past couple of months, I've like drilled down on indie comics because I've I mean, read comics since, since I felt where I could read words, and it's been a <laughs> lifelong love. But then as I got older and taste changed, um, you know, you kind of fall out of it. Life gets busy. You know, you get married, you get a job, you have kids, and then and then you reach a point where you can start relaxing a little bit. The kids get a little more self sufficient, and you can dive back into some of your old loves. And I went to a comic book shop near me. You know, a couple of years ago when I was going to get back into it. And I just like, it was not the industry I remembered as a kid. I was like, <laughs> where's the Batman? So Batman's, and they were like over there, and it was like two racks worth of like individual titles. You know, and I love Batman, but I mean, I was looking at like the Marvel and the DC stuff. I'm like, there's no way I could jump back in. Like, even with knowledge of having read them for years, trying to get back in, there was there was almost like a barrier to entry. So I started looking yeah. at indie, indie books that were, you know, more self-contained storylines and stuff and ended up falling low falling in love with the indie market almost more than the more than the big two. So I mean, the show's kind of switched focus and I've been featuring a lot of indie artists and <laughs> just because that's kind of where my heart is when the like, like the comic industry. I am 
I am all kinds of rah rah for indie books right now. <laughs> and then I'll- yeah, that I mean that's kind of the same path I was on because I I, uh, I was big into comic books when I was a kid, like really big. Yeah. Uh, then, like you said, life happens, and I started having kids, and I'm a I'm a nurse in my my alter ego. Oh wow! So I've been a nurse. Yeah, I've uh, been a nurse for about 20 years. And then once my kids started getting to an age where they were, like you said, self-sufficient and leaving the home and all that kind of stuff, I decided to kind of jump back in. And so I jumped back in with Civil War uh, and Walking Dead and, and all right. this kind of stuff. And Civil War was cool. I, I enjoy Marvel. Uh, but there's just a certain aspect of the comic books from Marvel that I I connect more to the ones from the 80s and the 90s than I do from the ones today. I don't some of the characters I just don't recognize, and um, so yeah, the indie, the Image comics, the Dark Dark Horse, that grabbed me to get back into to doing what I'm doing right now. So it's I certainly can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, I was going to ask like, what have you had you written for other? other houses before and then just switch over to doing an indie thing or, or I, yeah, I did screenwriting when I, when I moved to California in the nineties. Uh, and so I, I did a couple things for, um, small budget type places. Nothing ever got made, but I did write them, did sell them, but there's a difference between like writing and then nothing ever happens with your screenplay and, and actually, you know, like writing a script for a comic book and it actually get to hold it in your hands and see it in store shelves and stuff like that. So it's, I really, uh, really jumped in feet first on the comic industry a couple, about five years ago, um, doing web comics and, and self published type stuff so that when I was ready to start like get, trying to get my stuff out there, it was a little bit easier. I had a, I wasn't a newbie, I guess. Right, yeah, you had an established base to grow from, of course. Yeah. I, I mean, and, you know, the you know the guest I had on yesterday, we were talking about that, like how amazing it is, um, the, the being able to interact with a fan base and actually personally cultivate a fan base, and all the web tools we have where you can make a web comic. Uh, you know, uh, they're putting yeah. out a book um, that they're self-publishing, but they're doing an audio <laughs> component to it. And, you know, we, we were talking about, you know, like, if we wanted to do that 20 years ago with a book, like, how hard it would be and how much more cost it would be incurred if you wanted to, <laughs> you know, put out a record to go with it or a, or a disc or a cassette. And now, you know, like with you, they're able to do it all digitally and, and it gives them an access to a fan base. And then, of course, you can grow it from there and then, you know, make your own career instead of hoping that, you know, the establishment says, yeah, sure, come on in, or if not, you're just, you know, spend your whole life wishing you could do something, and, you know, and now here you are, multiple books coming out, and it all starts because you had the ease of access to to independently. Right. It, I just think it's really cool. Yeah, no, it's, it's. I was talking to another creator at a convention recently, and it's, you know, as much... I guess drama, I guess, depending on what circle of comics you, you hang around with, as much drama as there can be in, in the comic industry, uh, it's a great time to be in the comic industry, even though you have the, you know, the declining sales with here and there and, and the shops that close down. I mean, it's, this seems like it would be a good time to break in for indie people. Um, most of the indie comics that I'm reading are just great stuff. And like, all the books that I've gotten for the last year have been, I've gotten from cons, from people that, you know, they, they don't have 
publisher attached or Kickstarter. I'm a big fan of Kickstarter. Just yeah. you know, the stuff that you can find on there is just they're a lot of gems. Um, and I enjoy the stories and the writing a lot more than I do, like you said, the big two. Um, I can relate to it more, I guess. But, uh, but yeah, you're more it's, earnest, you know. I mean, it's, yeah. you, you're you're telling a story without these almost century old. It's crazy to say, but almost century old now. Century old now, you know, legacy characters and established teams. I mean, you're you're creating something from scratch. So of course, because it's yours, your heart is in it, and, and you can always tell the difference between somebody who is writing a legacy character. And I'm not taking away from people who inherit those. Because, you know, it would be a dream to write for Batman. You know, even for... Oh, yeah. But when it's your baby, you know, it's it's much more precious. And, and you can you can feel that when, when you're reading it. You There's more heart to the stories. There's more originality because it's not... Oh, yeah, I remember when I was younger and he was fighting this guy. Or I remember, you know, this cataclysm event where they burned the universe for the 40th time in five years. So... <laughs> So there's, I think you get more, you get more out of it because it's you're actually reading something somebody has has created from and it's theirs. You know, I, I you know, I, you know, I see indie books, but you know, creator controlled books are much more appealing to me as well. You know. Yeah, 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 very much. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I would, if Marvel or DC ever approached me, I'd, I'd oh, I wouldn't yeah. say no. Oh, but, of course. <laughs> but I would still want the freedom to be able to make my own stuff. And I can, you know, it's uh, like I guess in Hollywood where they make one for them and they make one for the for the production company. You know? Right. Uh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. I, would, uh, I had, um, you know, Brian Edward Hill is a friend of mine. He writes you know, for Top Cow and, and a couple of the others, and he's inheriting Detective Comics starting in June. So, mm. you know, I mean, I always shared his excitement on the episode because how cool is it, you know, that, that you work and you write indie books and, and, and you start and, and you make a name for yourself and within, you know, years of putting in the work, then you get handed Batman. I mean, I was all in his corner for that. So, I mean, you know, it, when yeah. I say things like, you know, the big two, it, it's not... It's not from a place of like not liking them anymore. You you know what I mean? Like it's it's yeah. more of a. I, I mean, like I don't know how to put it because I'll, I'll always love the X Men and I'll always love Batman. But I get <laughs> I get more I get more satisfaction I guess out of what what's going on with stuff like Alterna and Advent Comics and Top Cow and Boom and stuff. Yeah. Um, Right. self-published stuff but i mean like he inherited batman and i i couldn't be happier for him i mean i've known the guy for a couple of years and he's like one of the nicest most earnest people so for him to get it was awesome but you know at the same time i find myself going more for stuff like the wicked righteous or fable <laughs> you know and, and, and i'm not just saying that because i'm because i'm legitimately reading your book that's why i wanted you to talk about the concept because it's cool as crap to me <laughs> it's like this weird I don't know it's 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 almost like a conundrum like with with, with comics today and mm-hmm. you know it, and then of course with a lot of the indie books you don't get a lot of the the political stuff that's kind of marring everything today because it is usually a story and and it's it's mm-hmm. got its own arc and it's not all well how do we keep everyone happy and what's the social justice cause of the day we can 
we can uh, inject into a storyline with characters that really have no business taking part in that, but we're going to get it out there because everybody's complaining about something right now. So it's just, it's like you almost get like a break, you know? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, that's, that's something I usually don't even like to talk about exactly. or touch on or, or, any, and especially not in, 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 inject into anything I write. Um, and I, but, but again, I mean, but it's supposed to if be somebody really wants to find a trip, trip, if somebody wants to find something wrong with something you write, they'll find something. I mean, oh, they'll, they'll tear apart one sentence and be like, ah, oh, yeah, here he is. <laughs> But, uh, he said the rapture. To... He's one of those Bible-thumping crazy people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and that's my thing, like, with a lot of entertainment. I don't – we don't really allow news in the house. Um, you know, like, the 24-hour news channels aren't allowed. We're, everybody – we're either going to watch a superhero show, baseball, or something that everybody's going to enjoy <laughs> and laugh to. And then, you know, like, you, you get enough of it, and I, I like it to not be in where I go to escape. Yeah. You know, like, can I just get this five to ten minutes to read these twenty-four pages and just be happy? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, um, but like, Alterna's business model—it's so cool. Like the the newsprint and and the entry price point. I mean, it, it's pretty—it's almost an unbeatable business model because I know that the other names are sexy. You know, Batman, Superman, Wolverine—they're sexy. Mm-hmm. But when you're, you know, I'm thinking about when I got into comics and when you got into comics when we were younger and you have that limited income, are you really mm-hmm. going to drop four ninety nine for the book that's in the middle of a storyline you know nothing about? Or are you going to drop right. the dollar, dollar fifty and get in on it? You, you know what I mean? Like get in on an alternate book. Yeah, I mean, it's I, that's the reason I kind of signed on to do the newsprint was because I agreed with the model that um, – People that go into a comic book shop and they see something that's not Spider-Man, not Batman, and want to give something new a try, maybe they'll, they'll be more willing to try something that's a dollar fifty and looks cool than five bucks and and looks cool, you know. But what are they more willing to take a chance on? That kind of thing. Um, and I and I and I love the newsprint. I mean, that's what I grew up with. Exactly. I love the way it smells. I love the way it feels. So it's. They had me. They had me at the newsroom. <laughs> I mean, think about it. You know, you, you go in, it's four ninety nine for a single issue, so that's five, five bucks. So with tax, you're looking at, what, like, five thirty, And mm-hmm. you only have five bucks for that week. With Alterna, you walk out with three books. And, yeah. You know, as opposed to just, just the one. And you're getting these original stories. And, you know, every Alterna book I've read, they're earnest. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's real bite. You know, it, it's it's got real story. To mm-hmm. it. I mean, you know, Amazing Age is blowing up all over the place, and you know, I'm start, I'm actually starting to see the Wicked Righteous in my local comic stores, and and you know, for a while I would go in and ask for alternative books, and not just yours, but you know, like I would ask, hey, do you guys have Mother Russia? Hey, do you guys have this? Hey, do you guys have that? Hey, and you get that. What's Alterna? And then if it was a local store where the management could make the decisions, I'd be like here, and I'd look it up for them and show them. And then the next time I came in, because I'm in the Atlanta area, the next time I came in they'd have Alterna stuff. And then you could start buying it and grabbing it. So, I mean, it, th- once I think once people, like, absorb what that model is, there's, mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to argue with. Because almost everybody I've shown it to that actually could buy comics to sell them 
has been like, oh, that's amazing. And then, you know, the next thing you know, that's where you can go and get your, I mean, there's two or three comic book stores around here that are now carrying Alterna that weren't. So, I mean, it's, oh, nice. yeah, I nice. mean, it's, it's definitely building, building a brand and, and it's, it's a brand you can't really argue with. Yeah, yeah it really is. I mean, cause, um, when Wicked Righteous came out, I think there were three titles that came out ahead of me and, um, and it was like pulling teeth to have people get them in the shops. I mean, they didn't want to try anything new. They didn't want to try anything that was different. This dollar fifty, what is this? People aren't going to buy that. They're going to think it's less quality, that kind of stuff. And I'm sure maybe there are people that do see that and think, ah, oh, it's it's cheap. It's a knockoff. But if they give it a try, they see that these are real stories. These are, I mean, real work goes into making each issue. I don't spend any less making this than I do. On the books that cost four fifty or four ninety five to to buy, right? Um, so I mean, I, I put the same amount of work in on on all my books, and I know that all the other creators do too. Um, so when my book did come out, Diamond kind of made a snafu, and they uh, they I think they solicited as a one shot instead of a, a mini series. Oh, good lord! So then. So then more shops were like, no, we don't want to buy a one. We don't want to invest in a one shot. So a lot of shops didn't even start off carrying my book, um, which really like cut what I could have started at in half. But it's, you know, each issue, it's kind of built, built uh, a following, I guess. Right. So that, you know, now it's in shops and it's doing good and it's, uh, I'm happy with it. But, but yeah, I guess the moral of the story, more shops are catching on. It's been a little over a year since uh, we started the newsprint, and, and more cons are reaching out to all of us. More shops are reaching out to all of us, and it's it's exciting to be a part of it. It really is. Yeah, it's been really cool to watch, to, to, you know, to, to, to watch the label grow. And speaking of cons, do you – okay, because I've done a couple. Do you – do you have – did you bring any of the kids with you, or do you go – by yourself, or I've done both. Yeah, I've done both. Yeah, and I mean, it's when the kids do come, it's more the wife that that is wrangling kids than me. But um, but yes, yeah, so, uh, I've got um a handful of kids, and my oldest ones, I don't. They've they've gone to comic book signings. They haven't gone to cons with me. Um. But we're, that's going to change. I'm taking them to Palm Springs in June, so that's going to be like their first big, big con. That's yeah. And the reason why I'm asking is, you know, I did one last year, and I brought my my youngest with me. My oldest had to work, and it was it for me. It was much more fun, you know, <laughs> watching her face. Now, of course, when it came time to do the podcast, I had set up and everything else. It was more like, okay, well, now sit here and be bored. And later we'll go and do all the fun stuff to run around. But being on the floor, um, I guess it was the vicariousness of, you know, when a whole cadre of stormtroopers walk by, you know, as an adult, you're like, oh, that's awesome. But when you walk, you look down and you see your kid and the eyes are just completely, you know, out and they're gasping words at you. And it just made it like, I don't know, I guess a lot more fun. um, Yeah. Floor, definitely, because you can tap into tap into their energy a bit you know when you get around these things that you've loved forever and now that we have all these cons and you have all this interactivity you know i think the kid the kid energy makes it more (laughs) and yeah but more fun (laughs) yeah yeah i live in san diego so every year we've gone down to 
San Diego Comic Con, and uh, until I was getting my pro badges, you know, getting tickets, you would either have to buy them on the secondary market or wait in that lottery line, which right. I never, I've never been able to get tickets through the legitimate way, I guess. Which I don't know if I should be saying that or not, but hey, <laughs> I've man. always had to buy like <laughs> had to buy like Craigslist or whatever to get in um, until I started, you know, making comic books. Um, but even then, my kids have never been inside. They've always been on the outskirts. And luckily in San Diego, they do like so many things on the outside. I mean, there's almost more to do on the outside than there is on the inside at the convention center there in San Diego. So it's they've been exposed to it, and, they, and I know that they enjoy it. Um, See, dra- yeah. yeah, Dragon Con here in Atlanta is like that. It's huge, you know, multiple hundred thousands of people and... And, and we've never gone to the con itself, but they run a free parade, and of course they got the outside stuff, and they run a parade through downtown Atlanta. So, you know, mm. it's so big. It's if you can't make it down to the parade, I think our local affiliate CW actually runs it on TV, so you can watch it. So. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, we did MomoCon, and I think um, I may have something coming up. They're doing an Atlanta Comic Con for the first time, and it's uh-huh. not it's not huge. Because um, it's his first year, but I think we're doing that this year. But this one had a blast at the at a con, and I think it made it more fun floor wise. Not when I had to do the work stuff wise, but floor wise, it was it was more fun. But um, I mean, so how many do you do a lot of cons during the year? Do you have like a season, or is it just as it comes and goes, meet, meets up with schedule and everything? Um, this year has been busier than normally i like to do and i think that's just i have because i have a couple books that i'm trying to promote at the same time so um i was at my season started in um seattle at uh emerald city comic-con okay uh, and then did WonderCon and c2e2 in chicago and um i've got a most of the shows i'm doing now are all local um I had just came from a San Diego Comic Fest, smaller venue, but a ton of people. But it's mainly just comic books. It's there's not a lot of cosplay, not a lot of, uh, I guess, entertainment. But it's uh, but it's like old school creators, vendors, and it was it was really cool. I enjoyed it. See, yeah, I like I've I've done some smaller ones that were, that were you know specific industry focused and yeah. I, well, I see because I'm a comic book guy. I mean, I get for movies and stuff. And I, I, mean, yeah, I, you know, I always look at the artist alley before I look at the celebrity guest panel. It's like, oh, yeah, we should go to this con. Because so-and-so and so-and-so are there. And they're like, what show or movie were they in? You're like, yeah. no, they weren't. They turned <laughs> to the idea that being there like the movie that you want to go see. You know, you talk right. to people and you're like, no, 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 no. It was like, like uh, the Atlanta Comic Con thing you know um i mean it's not a definite yet but i was asked to give my show analytics and you know my outlets and this and that so they're possibly an invite coming in my first and in my tab i looked at was the artist alley and then afterwards after the artist i looked at the other stuff to get all excited i mean sean young's gonna be there and being uh, be there and her fan i'm like yeah that'd be really cool to bump into her really yeah that would pass and got to you know <laughs> leave the proletariat status and mingle um yeah you know there there's a couple of people that are coming um elliot from et of course is going to be there so oh you know, nice the nice. 80s kid in me was like oh but then i was looking at like some of the artists and i was 
like blown away by that. I'm super excited. If I get yeah. Yeah, to, to spend most of my time in the artist alley. Yeah. Have, when is that? When is the Atlanta Comic Con? Um, it looked like it was like September. I can't remember. No, it's earlier in the summer. It's June or July. Mm. Yeah, I have a friend who lives in Atlanta, and he he's kind of sent me a link to Atlanta Comic Con. Oh. Uh, yeah, so I was I was contemplating it, but I, I'm just not sure. I have a uh, a baby due soon, so oh. kind of carving a baseball a, team. I know, I know. <laughs> you do. You're, you're close. You almost got the baseball team. I'm a collector. <laughs> <laughs> That's us. I wanted to collect them. I wanted to collect that I couldn't. Yeah. <laughs> we were done collecting. <laughs> but um, yeah. Like I mean, we I've met a couple of the artists um here. Um, you know, I had the Wolverton team on the guy who did Wolverton Thief, uh, Michael Stark, and and uh, and then um. The Tuskegee Air guys, I met them. The guys who oh, yeah. Tuskegee Air, that comic is awesome. Alpha Richardson is here as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's yeah, there's like this whole scene that I didn't realize until that they were that local to me until I, you know, started the podcast. You know, started going around and seeing stuff. I didn't realize there was a big scene here. I'm originally from Boston. From Boston. Oh, okay. you know, we had Newberry Comics there, which is like this huge store that everybody knows. I, uh-huh. even, I think they in Fallout 4 they did a mock-up of it. Um, it was on Newbury Street on the map, but they have Hubris comics in the Fallout universe. Oh, but, that was that's the shop. Yeah, that, that, that's actually Newbury Comics. Um, that's really cool. It was always a cool place to go when I was my in my little punk rocky teenageness. Because that's where you could go get your CDs. You weren't going to find it. Sam Goody allowed me to date myself. Uh, <laughs> and you know, like you could get your Oakleys there and. And get comic books and all like the cool punk rock CDs that nobody else was willing to sell because they'd never heard of them. Yeah. Right. So I mean, like I didn't know there was that much of a scene here until I started getting this stuff. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, I've heard of. I've, I like Wolverton. I've heard of Tuskegee Airmen, uh, the book, but never read it. But I've heard good things about both of those. Yeah. yeah. Um. It's it. It's, I mean, it's it's. I mean, it's like I said, the stuff that I'm into. It's, it's all just, it's, you know, almost creator-owned, and it, it's just, it's just kind of, that's where I am right now with, with my love of comics is exactly what you guys are doing. So, yeah. So you've got the the three books out. Have you, other than the screen, screenwriting, was Wicked Righteous or anything before the the web comics that was your first foray in? Yeah, and again, those were more like me learning how to do it right. <laughs> type stuff. There's it's nothing on there that I would ever want or hope anyone would find. Because uh, I took them down and I was like, yeah. I mean, but it, it taught me how to pace. It taught me the right and the wrongs of doing stuff. Um, taught me that I should never be a letterer. Um, taught me a lot of things. So, it, <laughs> but, but yeah, Wicked Righteous was it wasn't the first script I wrote, but it's the first one that I had um, comic script that I wrote. But it was the first one that was picked up um, by a publisher, and and a couple publishers had made a I guess a a interest showed interest in it. Right. But I went with Alterna just because of the 
again the, the the bring back comics and I like Peter I like I like uh, I like everything about Alterna so far I mean I haven't it's hard for me to say anything negative about them yeah it really is like when you talk to people about it and you you show if you wanted to get in on a new book if it, you know you remember what comics were when we bought them how they felt how they smelled how they looked how they you know, it's, it's, it's you get new stories while you tickle your nostalgia bone at the same time, and there's nobody else. Right, right. You know, you find places that like restore old books or have, you know, like the have pull box of back issues. But right, and you're still tickling that, you know, that nostalgia bone at the same time. Yeah, very much so. Very much. I mean, from a creator point of view. At a dollar fifty a book, you're not you're not looking to get rich anytime soon. But I don't think you're looking to get rich at five dollars a book either. So I mean, it's the the money's in the trade, the money's in the multimedia. But um, but if you're a new creator and you're looking to get your feet wet, you're looking to be legitimized by having something published. Then I think alternatives there's there's not a better answer out there, honestly. Just and. Uh, because I've read all the alternative books and and I haven't found one that's not a legitimate story. It's not a good story. I mean, they're they're all things I would. If you if Image is like the gold standard of indie books, then all of Alterna's catalog, I think, would could be Image Comics. You know, um, I think they're that good. Yeah, I agree. So, you know, what, what you're saying with the web comics, like learning how. Wait, I. Having met people in the industry and then asking questions, you know, like, well, how do you, and then they start telling you, well, you need to learn how to write comic book script. Mm -hmm. Well, what is that? Because, I mean, I've written forever, and I've never had the the guts to buy, you know, I'm writing stuff now, and I've gotten a little more boldness and confidence, A, because Mm -hmm. I'm 37, and I know who I am, you know, it's not that young artist coming out. But, you know, uh, somebody sent me an example of how to write comic book, and I've written short stories forever. Uh-huh. Yeah, and they showed me, and I was like, like that is not anything I was expecting. So like, <laughs> was it easier having the screenwriter experience, you think, beforehand? Or was it just like, a, there was, holy crap, there was, it's so different than just writing a story. Um, No, it really does. And I mean, at least the way I write, it, it, it goes pretty much hand in hand. I mean, there's some terminology you have to change around, but I still use my screenwriting software to write my comic book scripts. I just change a few things around. Um, but I, um, and that's also one of the good, cool things about comic book scripts is that there's no specific format that you have to follow. Right. You just have to be able to get your point across to the artist. Cause I mean, in a perfect world, no one reads your script except the artist. Um, and if it's done well, then hopefully it flows well enough to people that it, that, that it's seamless, that that they think the artist made all this up or that the writer made all this up, when in reality it's just it's a four or five man collaboration sometimes. But um, but yeah, I having the screenwriter background, it it, it kind of I guess helped me um, just being able to in the screenplays you're telling the director what you're doing and then you have the dialogue same thing for me i'm telling the artist what's in each panel and then i just have the dialogue um and as you work with the artist more then that kind of gets a little bit looser (laughs) like like my scripts for uh, issue one are a lot different than they are for issue six issue six it's more like okay lucas you know what to do here and then here's the dialogue (laughs) yeah because you kind of get a taste for what the other one 
how the yeah. other one's going to interpret what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, you know, like, like I said, you know, I mean, I was in punk bands and this and that's in punk rock music, and I've written in notebooks, I've written poetry stuff that I didn't want to put to music but was just as intense as the music stuff, and then you write these short stories, and they're like, yeah, you kind of got to block scenes and tell them how many panels per page. And I was like, why can't I just tell them the story? And then the artist is like, oh, yeah, I know exactly what you're... What you're talking, it was it was a little eye opening. We'll put it that way. The first time I had to punk meetings, I was like, "What the heck?" Like, I, I, yeah, <laughs> it's more like architecture than storytelling, I guess. Sometimes because you are, you know, world building. So it's uh, yeah, yeah. A whole level of respect for people who actually write the comic books because I'm like, well, yeah, of course you're like, you know, and then Batman drops down into the alley and then. <laughs> to threaten the guy that he just landed in front of and you know he throws battering at him and it knocks him over and he da 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 and they're like okay well what's the alley look like what's <laughs> what's the weather what's the this? you know how does the guy fall does he hit anything on his way down does he knock over a trash can like you know and I was like yeah that's really not anything I've done before so I was thinking <laughs> getting template software or something for that. Yeah, yeah. There's actually, I, I don't use it in everything, I've, but there's um, a program called uh, Comics Life. And it's, it, it's, it's one that we use at T-Pub. I, I don't really use it anywhere else, but it, for some things it really comes in handy, and it has like this self-generating panel outlay, so you can kind of look at a wide variety of layouts for the page, and it you know, you can kind of pick and choose what you're thinking in your head, and then ah, oh, this is the what I'm looking for. Most of the time, that's not how I do it. I just like I'll either put like wide panel, biggest panel on the page, small panel, right. insert panel, that kind of stuff, um, and then just go from there. Uh, and luck, if you have a good enough artist, then they're they'll they're the brains behind uh, making it look as awesome as they can because nine times out of ten lucas will hand in a page lucas romero the artist will hand in a page and it's it's almost always better than i thought in my head it would be so i mean you just if you find the right people to work with then that that goes a long way see that's yeah that's really cool and, and i don't mean to you know i didn't mean to i think that's just heard me see that's somebody listening who's thinking about getting into it because i think that's i mean i can't be done i guess yeah. it was coming from the perspective of Assuming it would be as easy as, you know, writing, you know, like just yeah, yeah, writing a story out and then being like, yeah, somebody could totally draw that. It would look awesome. Yeah, I've got an hour, uh, an hour to waste. Let me let me bust out an issue real quick and then yeah, and then you're like, oh yeah. no, this is real work. <laughs> yeah, like, real work. Because um, I mean, it's well, it's not like I could write it and then draw it. Um, I kind of draw like a. Um, a given that's been, you know, hammered in the hands. Words. So I'm one of those ones where if I were to write something, would he to know how to communicate it? You know, I'm like a scene block. I'm like, I'm like, yeah. I first looked at it. it. It it gave a different perspective for comic writers. And of course, I mean, my respect for artists because I because my has always been there, but I always thought the writing part was easy. <laughs> I looked at what it actually took and was like, holy cow, that's 
that's yeah. You're not just writing like this is what happens. It's like said with the world set building, and then the onus is on you to fully build a world. It yeah. You can't just jump in and, and write something. You've got to actually. You know, like I mean, I'm working on a book book now, and I'm friends with a writer, and I that that what do you mean? She's like, is your story complete before you started it? And I was like, no, I'm kind of just like letting it go organically. She was like, organically or schmanically, that's because that's me that's that's and you've got all this stuff sitting there. That's so. Yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with uh, whoever that friend is. I agree with her because um, I I I don't if once I think of an idea for a story, like I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and write something down, and then I'll save it throughout the day, and then all throughout the day while I'm at work or doing whatever, I'll be working it out in my head. And can I figure out an ending? Can I figure out a middle? Why are these people doing whatever they're doing based on whatever I, idea I had that morning? And if I can't come up with the ending, then I'll just keep it as an idea because um, you ha- you got to know where you're going before you start going <laughs> See, <laughs> otherwise you get lost yeah she started asking me questions like well who who do you want to be your who want to be your and I was like what are you talking about like I've got this guy, this guy the detective that's chasing him and then like okay but everybody has to care you you couple ancillary characters and then try to build this world that people are going to get to and you're like oh here's all these perspectives that don't really matter because I'm zeroing on zero one but yeah like her questions were like well what happens if this what did you were you thinking of this were you think and of course the woman's like a published author so uh-huh. it's not just like somebody trying to like you know smartly ask me questions it's she has like multiple books published and is working on a magazine and is working on her first graphic novel with a partner, and is writing this an actual an actual who's doing all this advisory stuff. And when when she was done asking me my questions, I was like, you know, for, for, the, people, for the people living at home, if you ever watch right before Beaker panics, that was the face I made. Face yep. Where I was going to go with all that stuff. So I mean, it's it's been. The podcast has brought me closer to all the things that that I love, and it's given me a much deeper appreciation for every aspect of it. Because when you when you're like, okay, well I I can do it, actually go to do it, you realize how much like real work goes into what you do. Right. It, It it gives you a deeper appreciation for somebody who can bring multiple books to market. You know, in, 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 in the environment where you don't have the the giant house support, I mean, it's it's got to be good, you know. And, and you know, here you are promoting three books at the same time, all unattached from the other. That's pretty amazing, and it takes a lot of work, you know. So I mean, it's definitely. I mean, I, I don't know. I just think it's cool when somebody can do that. Thank you, thank you. I'll have to get you to, when my wife gets here, I'll have to get you to repeat all that to her. So she, <laughs> sometimes she'll come home and she'll be like, well, you were writing all day. I was like, yeah, I got three pages done. <laughs> so uh, there's uh, every cliche that you can think of, of like uh, the writers and the writers' wives. It's 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 true. It's, it's, it's true. Sometimes it's very uh, 
an unforgiving landscape, and I've, I'm sorry for every time I stay up late. But uh, <laughs> but it, but it's what's this that? Push you to get more done than you are, because mine, mine, my my wife, if I I'll write for a little bit, because I'm working on a legitimate novel, and it's the first time I've actually buckled down and disciplined to write one. Mm-hmm. And she'll be like, "Well, how many? How much did you get done today?" And I'm like, "I you know I got like two three pages and." I fleshed out this storyline a little bit. I went back and edited this and that and gave it a bit more detail. A bit more. That's not enough. I've watched you. You're sitting here playing. You're playing out of work two hours. You're playing two hours that you were. You know, I mean, it's all in love, but yeah, like, I kind of need, she was there to put, she need to put the boot in my rear end. It would take me like 20 years to write it. You know, need 20 yeah. years as opposed to maybe like six months to a year to write it. You know, need, so. Yeah, but there is a lot of ancillary thought that goes into each thing. I mean, you can't just sit down in a computer and then start just spitting it out. I mean, well, maybe some people can, but I can't. There's a lot of thought that, like, just random thoughts that I have to be having before I click on something I want, and then I can start going from there. Um, but just to, I'm, I'm not the kind of person that can set aside, like, four-hour blocks here and there and then just... Uh, shoot it all out right because uh, when i do that's usually not anything that i end up keeping it's just it's they're just words but they don't mean anything right uh do, do you have like a routine um because i mean with me it's so i've actually but i can write to music um, mm-hmm. so i actually put headphones in so that i'm not taking the tv away from everybody else and i also don't want to end up like jack nicholson where i have to sequester myself <laughs> somewhere away where you know you know there's no outside influence so i usually put headphones on but i actually can't write um if it's too quiet but i can't write if the tv is so i'm finding that like picking music that is something i've known forever so i'm not looking for new words or trying to listen to or as it were you know like i'm like okay i won't put on some old nine inch nails or i'm gonna put on some old <laughs> smashing pumpkins or you know some old dead Kennedys, and then and then I can write. It, right, I know it's right. kind of weird. Yeah, no, I I it can't be quiet for me. I mean, um, when it's quiet, I just get bored, and then I start my mind starts wandering in in the wrong direction. I guess um, I'm okay with movies in the background as long as it's something I've seen before. If it's if I if it's something I want to watch, and I'll sit there and watch it instead of writing. But as long if I yeah, I mean, if I'll put on like an old '80s movie or just something that I've seen ad nauseum, then it's it's easier. It's it's noise, it's chatter, it's familiar. That way, I can just do my thing and then have the background stuff going on. Um, same thing with music. If music distracts me, sometimes it's uh, I'll find myself getting too involved in the song. So maybe, maybe it's the music I'm listening to. I don't know, but <laughs> yeah, listen to music that's not as good. Yeah. Yeah. Like for me, music writing is really super dark. um, So I'm actually um, using certain music as a motor because because the places I'm having to go to get some Mm. of the scenes written is like. Put on the crow soundtrack, or I'll put on you know, uh, violent femmes, or I'll put on this and that. And if I find certain music that I'm listening to will be what what determines how actually effective I am in telling that part of that book. So it's it's almost like I'm having to make 
creativity playlists for what I'm actually writing. So, and, and, you know, yeah. and with like short stories and stuff or writing music, it was never like that. I could just do it in a notebook and call it done. But an actual thing that's taking all my creativity, I'm out. I'm finding that it's in the zone enough to do it. And I was just wondering if I'm just not like weird and other people actually. <laughs> no, I mean, everybody has their med, but, uh, yeah, no, everybody has their way. It doesn't make it wrong. Doesn't make it right. Right. Whatever, whatever works for you. So, um, let's just like, surmise, uh, what are the three books that people can, I know, uh, Wicked Righteous, they can read what, one through five now? One through five now, yeah. and then six in uh, about a month. Um, yeah, and that that one's probably the most like um, personal to me because, like I said, I have all boys, and the story follows four brothers. Uh, and through San Diego, we live in San Diego, and it's kind of my uh, my love letter to my, my to my kids. Um, even though it's kind of a twisted story, but I guess maybe that says more about me than it should. But but there's that one, and uh, then Disposable Legends comes out in August, and it'll be six issues uh, monthly, um, and these are all like Diamond distributed, so they'll be in any comic store. You just have to ask for them. Um, and then Poppy and Poe, I believe, is also Diamond distributed, um, and if not, you can get that one online or at Comicsology or, or anything like that. But my turn on that one doesn't come until December. I'll wrap it up. What you just said about the Wicked Righteous, um, that just deepened the level for me because now the interactions between the boys are going to be, it's going to, you know, because now that I know, yeah, yeah that got your own set in mind, it'll run up with brothers. That'll definitely, it kind of will will be like um, going forward. So that's really cool. <laughs> But, um, where can people find you? Uh, my social media is the same, all at Mayotl, M-A-Y-O-T-L. Uh, my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, it's all it's all the same. Um, and then there's Wicked Righteous uh, Facebook page. Uh, and I, I'm not sure what the address is, but if you just type it in, it should come up. Yeah, it does. 